So for our uh, final session of the day, I am uh, especially delighted to introduce our second keynoter, uh, Mr. Christian Prick, who assumed the post last summer of defense counselor to the Embassy of Estonia in Washington, D.C. To understand why Christian is the perfect person to conclude our deliberations, uh, you have to know how deeply Estonia has made a national commitment to deploy electronic communications in every aspect of its governance and daily life. It's often been remarked that the country should think about changing its name to Estonia, complete with the hyphen. Um, and as I mentioned this morning, it was a matter of very deep concern when the country suffered a significant series of cyber attacks in 2007, and partly as a consequence of the country's national commitment to improve cybersecurity, NATO established its Center for Cyber Excellence in Tallinn uh, in 2008. As defense counselor in the Estonia Embassy, uh, Christian now follows developments in defense and security policy, as well as dealing with Estonian U.S. political military affairs, both in bilateral and NATO contexts. Prior to his current assignment, Christian served as director of the International Cooperation Department of the Estonian Ministry of Defense for three years. There he oversaw mainly bilateral political military issues with partner countries, Estonia's efforts in defense-related outreach, and involvement in different arms control regimes. Immediately prior to that position, Mr. Preek worked with issues mainly pertaining to the NATO enlargement uh, and NATO partnership with Russia, Ukraine and Georgia at the Security, Policy, and Arms Control Bureau of the Estonian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Uh, Christian's previous assignments include four years as a diplomat covering trade and economic issues at our embassy, at the Estonian embassy in the U.S., where he was responsible for keeping an eye on Estonian-U.S. bilateral economic relations, representing Estonia at different trade and investment promotion events and pursuing everyday contacts with both U.S. and Estonian businesses. And before joining the team at the embassy in D.C. for the first time in 2002, he had served as a foreign trade and WTO specialist for the Estonian Ministry of Foreign Affairs for three years. And while working in that ministry, his main scope of expertise covered different trade disputes as well as uh, Russian accession to the World Trade Organization. Uh, Christian Prik is a graduate of the oldest university in Estonia, the University of Tartu, where he uh, studied political science and economics. He's reserved, received further training mainly on defense and security policy as well as foreign trade issues by attending specialized programs in Estonia, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Belgium, and the United States. Since 2008, he has also served as a member of the Council of the Estonian Foreign Policy Institute. He is also an officer in reserve and a member of a voluntary defense organization, the Estonian Defense League. And I don't want to embarrass Christian by mentioning his precise age, but when he steps up here, you will realize that his record is all the more remarkable for all that he has accomplished at, from at least what my perspective seems like, a very young age. Uh, please join me in welcoming Christian Prick. Thank you, Peter. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, uh, thank you, every, everyone, who, have a, uh, who are still bearing with me uh, uh, here today. Uh, my favorite uh, American comedian, Jerry Seinfeld, once noted that uh, at funerals, people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy because uh, because public speaking stresses pe people out more than death. So, and he was speaking about Americans who are queens and kings of public speaking, 
we in Estonia, we are considered to be very shy and introvert, which means that now you know why I completely envy you who are sitting in the audience rather than on, on the podium. Anyway, uh, it's my second time uh, in Ohio and my first time uh, in Columbus. I've been here uh, less than 20, or a bit more than 24 hours, and I've liked, liked it here. If I were Bob Gates, this would probably be the place where I would say, and anyway, it's actually too good to be anywhere but, but Washington, Washington, D.C. But, uh, but uh, I, I happen to be one of those rare, uh, rare breeds who actually likes uh, the, the inside of the inside the Beltway things and people. So uh, when Peter asked me to uh, come to this conference and uh, uh, give some remarks on cyber, I was a bit hesitant in, in the very beginning because, you know, I'm not a I'm not a lawyer, neither I'm a tech geek, and to come uh, to a a cyber security conference organized by the law school. Therefore, it's not a piece of cake. But, uh, uh, by, but I sincerely think that Estonia has a, a story to tell, and uh, the story that is not only important for Estonia, but is uh, uh, more important for the sort of entire international, international public uh, on what kind of cyber, cyber issues we, we may face and what to do with them. So uh, he, here I am. I, I prepared notes for, uh, for this thing, but uh, having listened to all these uh, uh, terrific panels today, I decided to scrap all my notes, all, the, all uh, uh, 10 or 15 pages of them, and rather just talk. About, mainly about the, uh, what happened in 2007 in Estonia, how this was significant for the international, uh, uh, in, in the international context, uh, what we did after that, and uh, what we think of uh, some of the most sticking points in the, uh, of the uh, cyber security at, the, at this point. So I would, uh, I would like to start with uh, just uh, giving you some idea of why, why Estonia actually is somewhat different country uh, than many others, including the U.S. Peter mentioned this uh, notion of uh, E-Estonia. Uh, this is something that, uh, that some, uh, uh, some people have... Uh, mentioned that it and it really have sticked. So, so probably there is a lot of substance behind that. Estonia, Estonia is a country where uh, we, we don't only see high internet penetration rate or we, where we not only see uh, widely available uh, internet-based services uh, that, are, that are created by the uh, private sector, what we can see actually in Estonia is that uh, in addition to the high uh, internet penetration, we have a very solid 
uh, mix of uh, uh, public and private sector services uh, that are available for the benefit uh, of, of the people. And there is a high, both high supply and demand for that. People really ask for more, more uh, uh, both public and pri private services. So just a couple of uh, examples. In Estonia, 98% uh, of all bank transactions are uh, conducted online. I, I have never owned a checkbook issued by, uh, by an Estonian bank. Just simply for the reason that uh, throughout my, so to say, banking age, there have been no Estonian banks issuing any checkbooks. We don't have any. People, people only use plastic, internet banking, mobile banking. I would, I would say that average person uh, goes to, uh, to the bank office maybe once a year, maybe, maybe a bit more sel uh, bit, bit sel uh, seldom. Now, I don't remember exactly when, when uh, I last time visited any bank office in Estonia. Now, uh, secondly, it's just about the tax season here in the States. So it's maybe interesting to mention that in Estonia, uh, I think the last figure was 92% of all taxis are done uh, online. Now, when I say that, I'm not referring to, let's say, sending uh, uh, my tax information using email or, or uh, uh, going to Best Buy uh, or, or online uh, getting h and Block or TurboTax or something like that, paying for that. I'm talking about using the, uh, the platform that is free, that, it, that has been, uh, that has been uh, uh, built, built upon the uh, request by, by, by the uh, tax authorities, and uh, which firstly pulls all your data that the government has anyway, that they have collected over the year anyway uh, from the tax authorities. And secondly, if you have opt opted so, they also pull the data from, from the banks, like mortgages, IRAs, and so on and so on. So what, what an average person normally does is uh, when the uh, tax season uh, begins, they, they uh, go online, they, they use their uh, secure uh, microchip-based uh, uh, ID card, uh, go online, uh, find their uh, tax declaration, which is pre-filled. They just check it against any errors, and, uh, and if they don't have any additional data to, uh, to add to this uh, form, maybe some income from, from abroad or things like that, then they just approve it and, and off it goes, goes. Normally, 10 minutes, uh, tax is done, you can forget about it. Now, uh, I won't go into details of, uh, you know, all, uh, and the, 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 this platform, of course, it does all the deductions and credits and stuff so, so, so that you won't be ripped off. The government is not interested in that. They, they, they just don't have the resources, uh, neither the resources nor the will to have, you know, people uh, jamming their uh, telephone lines, uh, their offices, uh, things like that. So, so they actually have, have uh, uh, came up something with a very, very useful and very widely used tool. Uh, and I, 
I would go on and on and on with, with that kind of examples, but, but uh, I won't go into details. I just uh, want to mention that in Estonia, uh, one of the options to vote uh, during, during the parliamentary elections or municip municipal elections is, again, using your uh, government-provided uh, micro microchip-based ID card, do it over Internet. You don't have to uh, worry about bad weather. You don't uh, have to worry about uh, uh, great TV, uh, TV uh, show running or something like that. You can just do it uh, uh, from the uh, comfort of your uh, lazy boy chair, for example. Now, now, uh, so in Estonia, you can also pay for parking uh, using uh, um, your mobile phone. You can, uh, you can pay, pay, pay by mobile phone also in the uh, supermarket if, you, if, you, if you're willing. So uh, you, you can uh, establish a company uh, without leaving your home, doing it uh, over internet, things like that. Uh, people are, have become very accustomed to, to using uh, all the benefits of uh, online dealing with, with the government as well as uh, with, the, with the private companies. Now, uh, one may ask why this is in Estonia, or what triggered it. Peter asked it yesterday. And uh, one of the answers is that uh, Estonia is, had somewhat unique advantage when uh, we regained our independence after the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, almost exactly 20 years ago. We didn't have any, so, so to say, modern infrastructure in the sense of 1991 present. So we had to uh, start creating something. And uh, instead of uh, adopting something that, uh, that was uh, good and modern in uh, 1950 or 19, even in 1980, we could uh, immediately uh, adopt something that, that was just coming online. Uh, the, the other thing uh, that, that is also important to t uh, take into account is that Estonia is a very uh, sparsely populated country. We, uh, our territory is uh, uh, approximately the same as uh, Netherlands, but, but they have more than 15 million people living there. In Estonia, you know, grab your cheers, we have just 1.4 million people living. So approximately the same uh, number of people that live in this, in this city, uh, in Columbus. So uh, it's actually, uh, considering how uh, sparsely pe people are populated, it's very expensive to, to reach all those uh, people with, uh, so to say, traditional kind of services. It's uh, both, for the, uh, both for the companies as well as uh, for the government, it's much more easier uh, in the long term, uh, also uh, much more uh, cheaper to actually reach those people by, by uh, building up systems that, that uh, advanced sort of remote, uh, remote dealings. Now, what happened in Estonia in 2007? Uh, Susan, Susan uh, briefly mentioned it uh, in her uh, presentation. So, uh, I hope I, I won't repeat uh, all of this, but, uh, but uh, what was uh, important to know was that uh, uh, in 2007, in April and May, 
and we actually experienced uh, something that uh, probably uh, that had been predicted as the future scenario for some time, but but uh, had not uh, materialized uh, thus far. The we we uh, experienced events where, where actually uh, cyber assets were used in concert with other uh, kind of uh, means in order to create instability, insecurity uh, uh, in, in a, a nation state. So uh, there were not just cyber, cyber attacks uh, happening uh, in Estonia during that time, but we also had uh, uh, street trials that were uh, mostly incited uh, from, uh, from a foreign country. We, uh, we had our uh, embassy under siege in Moscow. We had our ambassador to Moscow uh, being attacked uh, when uh, she was uh, giving a press conference. Um, we had uh, uh, a Russian parliamentary uh, delegation uh, arriving in Estonia and uh, declaring uh, at the airport that the Estonian government must resign. So, so, so the, uh, so the uh, cyber attacks were sort of su supporting activities to that. And, and uh, the, uh, what, what uh, cyber attacks uh, uh, were able to achieve for at least uh, uh, some time was they, they really uh, made us or hindered our ability to uh, get the mes message across both to the uh, both to the domestic audience as well as to the uh, uh, foreign audiences. Uh, they were able to uh, create insecurity and instability by by uh, uh, pretty much uh, uh, closing down uh, some of the uh, bank banking sites and uh, and also some of the government services uh, uh, their online part. Were, were, were not available. Again, I, I have to state that whenever I, I mention those uh, sort of online services, uh, these are options. No one, no one pushes people or no one uh, mandates people to only use the, uh, the, these, uh, the, these uh, services. These are options. People, people who are afraid of their uh, privacy or, or who don't feel comfortable with, with, with computer, they can, uh, they can uh, do the old way too. too. But, but so, during those attacks, which actually lasted uh, a bit longer than, uh, than uh, uh, Susan's uh, slides implied, uh, altogether around four weeks, uh, many of our companies uh, and uh, several uh, government uh, agencies actually had uh, problem, uh, problems running uh, the way they, they had been running uh, thus far. So uh, now we, we had to discuss whether and why uh, this was special, what happened in Estonia. Now, m most people in, in this audience know that, that uh, uh, things like uh, uh, cyber attacks, the possibility of uh, things happening in the cyberspace that would actually influence uh, uh, events on the ground, uh, that kind of scenarios were out <coughs> long time ago, uh, long time before. And uh, uh, 
it, it was even uh, even funny that uh, the Estonian tax pretty much uh, uh, coincided with the release of uh, uh, Die Hard 4, uh, where, where, where the sort of cyber element was front and central, which meant that uh, this uh, uh, this movie was a real blockbuster in in Estonia. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so and. Uh, but, but uh, what, what was special in, in this case, as I, as I said, that, that uh, cyber was used uh, clearly as something that was supposed to support other activities uh, and uh, uh, with quite clear political agenda behind, behind it. Uh, during the attacks, there were, were not any, at least I'm not aware of any, any attempts to blackmail uh, somebody or, or uh, uh, earn money by, 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 do, uh, by uh, attacking someone in any other way. So, so, the, so the motivation of the attacks uh, was, was quite uh, uh, clearly just political. Now what was also special in, in those attacks were the uh, timing, the precise timing of those attacks, targeting, uh, the available resources uh, for the attackers. Uh, yes, and I can I can uh, I can uh, explain it a bit, bit, bit further. Uh, timing. Well, when I say uh, when I when I mentioned uh, timing, then uh, I have a couple of examples. Uh, for example, we uh, had the foreign minister's press conference uh, uh, scheduled, let's say, for two o'clock. And, uh, and uh, in order to explain, uh, explain what, was, uh, what was going on, uh, why, the, why the riots were on the street, that, that, that actually the, uh, there weren't any problems uh, with uh, uh, public transport or, or other, other public services like that, and, and that uh, these riots were very limited in, uh, in a very limited area in, in the capital. Uh, and uh, we also uh, had scheduled uh, live streaming of this press conference uh, on the website of the foreign ministry. So five minutes before uh, the, the start of the press conference, uh, the foreign minister's website was all uh, up and running, no problems. Uh, just when, uh, when it was two o'clock, the, uh, the attacks were uh, turned on, and no one could get access to the uh, uh, website anymore. We couldn't get our message, message across, uh, at least uh, in a way we, we planned to do. Uh, also, uh, what's uh, special uh, in, in, in the case of those uh, uh, denial of service or distributed denial, denial of service attacks which are conducted by using uh, uh, botnets which are often uh, rented out uh, just as any other commodity, that uh, you rent them for a fee for a certain period of time. So uh, we, 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 uh, when we monitor <coughs> Excuse me. When we monitored our uh, web traffic, then uh, uh, there were uh, the cut-off times and uh, the times when uh, when the buttons were turned on were exactly at uh, let's say two sharp, uh, eleven hour sharp, not not ten fifty seven or something like that. So it's very very difficult to argue, as some uh, some have done that. Uh, these were just uh, patriotic uh, citizens uh, from uh, uh, from different countries who wanted to show their uh, way uh, 
uh, way of thinking regarding, uh, regarding the policies of Estonian, uh, Estonian government. Uh, firstly, it's very, very difficult to uh, envisage the situation where actually so many people in Russia or any other country would uh, be interested in what the Estonian government does. The other thing, uh, they, they definitely can't uh, orchestrate them to uh, f follow their watches that, that, uh, that uh, precisely or so, or so on and so on. And uh, re when talking about resources, uh, these attacks were uh, significant in their magnitude. Uh, when, when people ask me whether, there were, uh, whether they were organized or whether they were just uh, uh, patriotic citizens uh, uh, using their own uh, uh, desktops or laptops, then uh, my answer is that uh, certainly there were uh, elements of all kinds of different people. But, but still the core of the attacks was uh, well uh, coordinated and had to be uh, felt well funded uh, in order to, to sustain it uh, over, such a long, uh, over such a long time. Now, uh, we, uh, we, have to, we have to say that, uh, that, uh, that what happened in Estonia was in some way some people say uh, digital Pearl Harbor. That's probably sounds too much as a sort of slogan. Some people have said uh, that uh, it was a digital wake-up call. I like this comparison better than, because then I, I can draw another comparison. And my comparison is that, uh, okay, it was a wake-up call, but then again, we had also a wake-up call in 2008 in Lithuania where uh, similar kind of attacks were in a, a bit smaller magnitude. We had, we had uh, a wake-up call in 2008 in uh, uh, Georgia, uh, coinciding uh, with, uh, with uh, the Rus uh, Russian-Georgia uh, war. And we, we, have, uh, we had uh, other events like that. But uh, unfortunately, there were too many people, too many countries who rather decided to press snooze uh, rather than uh, uh, pay attention to, the, uh, to, to those wake-up calls. Now, we in Estonia, we, uh, we really paid attention to that. And, uh, and uh, when, uh, <coughs> when people are interested in the kind of damage uh, uh, these attacks uh, uh, brought about, then uh, uh, I, I don't have a very good ans answer to that. What I can say is that uh, there was no uh, uh, sustaining or long-term like physical, physical damage, or the networks, net, uh, the networks were, were okay after, after, the, after the attacks. Um, most of the de devices were okay. I understand there were uh, problems some of, with, with some of the devices, but uh, this, was, this was a minor thing. Uh, the, uh, the damage that uh, uh, occurred was uh, firstly issues uh, related to business continu continuity. And, and I, would, I would put the, the highest price tag, but I, I cannot say what's the number, to the price tag of uh, sort of psychological damage uh, that, that uh, 
people sensed uh, the feeling of uncertainty on, uh, on safety. Uh, and th this is something that the Western, Western kind of people don't like. We all want to, uh, we, all, we all prefer to live in a predictable world. We don't, we don't like uh, earthquakes not only because uh, they may uh, ruin our property, but also because, because we don't know what to do uh, then. We, we maybe only like uh, uncertainty when, uh, when uh, some un uncertain factors uh, Push our uh, push our, the price of our uh, investment portfolio uh, up. Other, otherwise, when it's the other way around, we tend not to like like it. So, so uh, in the Western societies, this uh, uh, sense of uh, predictability, uh, sense of security, has is quite invaluable. And uh, one, once you have cracks in it, it takes some time to recover. So, so this, this was also the reason why, why we, we considered that uh, uh, we not only in Estonia had to take it seriously, but, but we wanted uh, our partners and allies to take it seriously as well. For that reason, we also tried not to sort of uh, down, uh, downside or downgrade the, the magnitude of what, what happened. We, didn't want, uh, we did not want to uh, go the path of uh, telling people that, oh, no, never, never, never mind, it, it, it wasn't that bad. Because, because uh, we, we really think uh, people had to pay attention to that. Now, uh, what the, internally what we did we, we started drafting our uh, cyber, cyber defense, uh, cyber security uh, strategy. And uh, there are so many things, uh, one of the reasons why I sort of scrapped my uh, prepared notes was that uh, there have been so many bright people on this st stage today who have pretty much pointed out many of the same points. Uh, if I had read my, my, my notes in, in their entirety, uh, it would have been completely useless. Now I'm trying to be less useless in, in uh, just repeating uh, some of them. But uh, uh, one, of, one of the main and uh, sort of happy conclusions that we took from uh, uh, that we that we took from uh, from the attacks, and which was the uh, basis for uh, uh, basis for the new uh, cyber cyber strategy, was that in fact the damage would have been, uh, could have been uh, uh, much more serious if we hadn't had a working private-public partnership in place a uh, long time before the attacks occurred. Again, in Estonia, we say that uh, people are embracing e-lifestyle. Uh, as, as I said, people are asking for more electronic services, uh, uh, they are not hesitant, mostly at least, uh, to subscribe to this uh, government-issued uh, ID card, uh, because they see that the, the benefits that they can get actually out of it are greater than the uh, downsides of uh, maybe reduced uh, privacy or, or things like that. So in, uh, in the, as I, I've been told, in the mid-1990s, 
when, uh, uh, when the uh, Estonian banks uh, had set up their very first versions of uh, uh, in internet banking, they, they started uh, getting uh, the attacks from uh, several uh, Russian uh, uh, criminal, criminal uh, organizations, most notably uh, Russian Business Network. So, and uh, in essence, those, uh, those gangs were trying out some of their new tools, uh, new technologies, uh, on the Estonian, Estonian banks so that they, uh, they, uh, later on, if, they, uh, if those tools were uh, uh, actually useful, they could go to places where there, were more, uh, there was more, more money available. Yes. By, by 1998, this uh, uh, acknowledgement had transformed into uh, a, an informal but still working uh, public-private partnership uh, where, where the uh, uh, cyber uh, risk managers uh, and or uh, uh, CIOs of uh, the biggest stakeholders uh, in the private sector, banks, uh, telecom companies, um, Start, started uh, getting uh, uh, together regularly and actually uh, involving also uh, the, uh, the people, uh, some people from, from, from the government, CERT, uh, some, some other uh, stakeholders, so that they, they, they had a regular information exchange on uh, what's going on uh, in, the, in their uh, cyber, uh, cyber assets, so to say. The, 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 the sense that was out there was that, uh, that actually the problems that one or other uh, company may face uh, today may become a problem for the other company uh, uh, in a month or so. And, and it's, it's much better to, to be aware of those, those things rather than hide, uh, hide them uh, from each other. Uh, you hide, your, uh, hide your head uh, under the sand and you're going uh, you're gonna to be hit anyway. So, so this thing uh, uh, sustained and evolved. And uh, by 2000, uh, 2007, it uh, had reached to the sort of uh, maturity so that uh, w when the bad things started to happen, people didn't have to uh, try to, uh, people did, did not have to start uh, calling to someone and ask, like, okay, can you advise me whom should I uh, talk to? They actually had uh, not only the, the telephone numbers ready, but, but also the, they had some uh, routines, uh, routines uh, trained through. So, so th this, this was a very happy finding, that, that, that uh, th these things actually worked. Now, and uh, this was also the basis for the, the next finding, that, that we, uh, we had to keep this thing al alive, but we, we had uh, to build some official structures using the same kind of model maybe just uh, raising the level, uh, the decision-making level, but, but using the same kind of flat, flat uh, uh, interagency model where, where uh, every uh, stakeholder has pretty much the same, uh, uh, same uh, uh, right, right to speak, uh, right, right for their opinion. So uh, that, that's what we did. So we, we uh, built up an institutional structure upon the existing uh, uh, 
uh, unofficial uh, uh, structure that was there. And the the other thing that uh, we stated in the, uh, in the uh, secure, uh, cybersecurity strategy was something that uh, uh, Susan so eloquently put out to, today: the sort of uh, the need to uh, lo lose the artificial borders uh, or the artificial perception of borders between defense and security. Whereas uh, historically, it was a very, very clear understanding that, that uh, security is something that comes from within, and uh, defense is something that uh, comes from without. This is not the case anymore. Uh, in many ways, uh, uh, the pressing needs uh, of uh, uh, related to related to terrorism had already broken this glass wall, but but uh, but still, there were some uh, uh, some barriers and uh, some misconceptions. So we we really had to uh, start sort of uh, dismantling dismantling this. And, and uh, to make sure that our, again, the institutional structure reflects this uh, fundamental change. Then, uh, one thing that we not discovered, probably the, the people who were uh, in the cyber field all the time, it was no invention for them, but uh, it was acknowledged then that, that, that in order to really uh, provide the best uh, Sort of defensive measures and best security available, the uh, the people who, uh, with the knowledge of uh, cyber cyber threats, uh, the people with the knowledge of what's going on in the cyberspace, they have to have direct access to decision makers. The, the decision makers have to be have to get educated on what's what's actually happening. So we, we did many things, but uh, but uh, one of the more effective uh, things that we, we uh, that we did was probably, as I called them, shock and awe sessions, where we actually uh, summoned, uh, you know, the important people, uh, the, the, the ministers, uh, uh, the, the higher, uh, higher uh, uh, public service officials, to, to some uh, uh, situation room, and then, then uh, some, some geek, Started to started to give them presentations, and you know, by the time when when uh, let's say minister of social affairs, and this is this is uh, completely hypothetical, uh, minister of social affairs was sort of yawning. Okay, what what's in there for me? Why why should I be be here? And then uh, the the technical people they actually showed how penetrable how wonderful the information systems of their own ministry are, and how, uh, uh, how actually the, there were back doors that, uh, that uh, were easy to use. And you can imagine that, uh, for example, uh, people de dealing with social affairs, they have uh, like the uh, retiree databases uh, uh, under their ministry. And, and that kind of stuff that they really don't want to be compromised uh, uh, and in any way uh, being linked uh, with, with any bad news. So these things actually work. Uh, when, when, you, when you talk to people uh, about like hypothetical things somewhere over there, 
they do not listen, at least uh, when they think that they are really busy and they, 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 they have a more important meeting at the constituency and so on. But when you show something that uh, uh, is very close to their skin, they start to, uh, they start to listen. Now, the other thing that <coughs> is uh, slightly related to, uh, to, to, to this uh, last example is that we, we just uh, uh, we, we saw the need that uh, in case of, uh, in case of uh, uh, crisis situations, the, the people uh, with, the, with the knowledge uh, and authority in the cyber, uh, cyberspace, they really have to be able to sort of uh, get access to uh, highest level of decision makers very fast. So, uh, and also the other, the, the other thing related to that, of course, is uh, the, the need to delegate quite, uh, quite a lot of authority down to those people so that uh, when something happen, happens uh, very fast, they can do it rather than uh, wait, uh, wait until the prime minister uh, wakes up or something like that. So we, we try to uh, design our uh, institutional structure, organi organizational structure, again, uh, bearing, bearing these things in mind. Uh, we, we have the so-called Cybersecurity Council uh, right, uh, like, like right below or one part of the uh, National Security Council, uh, uh, but, but also uh, people and CERT and so on, they, they have uh, quite a lot of <laughs> authority to do, to, to do something and to cooperate with their uh, colleagues uh, uh, abroad and, and in Estonia. Then uh, one term that has been mentioned uh, on this podium uh, many times today, but I, I cannot avoid, uh, avoid it, it's cyber hygiene. Again, we, uh, it was very clear to us that, uh, that uh, without proper cyber hygiene that starts from, from here, from here, from here, from every one of us, uh, we cannot be successful. We cannot start dealing with, uh, with problems uh, only when they reach uh, the ISP level, uh, government uh, departments level, and uh, so on and so on. People have to be, uh, firstly, better educated on, uh, on uh, uh, what they can, what they cannot do, uh, what they shouldn't do uh, with, with their computers. And, and also, uh, this was the sort of voluntary kind of, kind of part, but, but also uh, we, we discussed some quite far-reaching uh, uh, principles and methods, uh, but, uh, but we, we are not yet there, the, the issue of uh, whether to mandate every, uh, mandate every uh, computer user to, to get uh, uh, antivirus uh, software, uh, whether to uh, hold the computer use, user uh, responsible for attacks that, had, uh, that have been uh, rooted uh, through his or her computer because uh, it, it has been pretty, pretty much kept open uh, for every, anyone. That kind of things were discussed, but uh, we didn't end up there. And, uh, and of course, uh, one thing that uh, uh, was considered very important was to sort of to integrate the cyber element to all kind of uh, uh, crisis management uh, uh, exercises, crisis management planning. 
we, uh, uh, when it comes to the uh, critical uh, infrastructure, uh, the cyber, cyber part of uh, uh, running, uh, uh, running tests, uh, analyzing, analyzing the weaknesses and uh, vulnerabilities is always there. Uh, and and uh, the, the, the cyber part is always there also when, when uh, we run like the national, uh, national exercises uh, for, for some uh, uh, power companies and, and other uh, transportation companies uh, so on and so, on, so, so forth. Now, one, the issue that I briefly mentioned uh, and uh, that, that really uh, creates some problems for us sometimes is our small size. Uh, when, uh, you know, in, in Washington I often ask someone, uh, how big is your, your department or how many people work in your company? And they tell me like, oh, our company is pretty small, 2,000 2, people. Uh, we, we don't have uh, any pretty companies like as big as that in Estonia. Probably the, uh, the one or two, probably. But this also means that uh, no company in Estonia uh, or no government entity can put together uh, teams of uh, people with uh, cyber, uh, cyber skills and cyber knowledge of tens or hundreds of people. But sometimes uh, uh, that kind of critical mass is needed. So what we actually came up with, uh, uh, and this, this is not, not unique in the world, but, but uh, uh, we consider it really uh, <coughs> useful, is we, we established a cyber element of, uh, uh, of the, our national volunteer-based uh, defense, uh, defense organization. Uh, I, I think uh, you had this uh, it also on one of, one of your slides. Uh, but, and the, the organization uh, in its essence is pretty, pretty similar to National Guard uh, here. Now this cyber component is uh, all voluntary. And uh, these people, uh, they, they come from all walks of life, but of course they have to have a lot of interest and uh, they better have a lot of uh, knowledge uh, in areas that are related to, uh, to cyber. So there are, uh, there are uh, IT people, there are uh, lawyers, there are some uh, people with financial background, so on and so on. Now, by creating that kind of uh, organizational structure, we, we now uh, provided a possibility for, uh, for people who happen to work in, uh, mostly in critical uh, infrastructure companies anyway and happen to deal with those comp uh, problems anyway. We, we now created them a much more solid, much more challenging uh, uh, forum to uh, share data, share experience with, with their peers uh, in other government and uh, uh, private sector companies. Uh, they get uh, training. And they get to, uh, and they get uh, opportunities to attend different uh, kind of uh, uh, cyber exercises, for example. Uh, in in Scandinavia, uh, in Scandinavian countries, uh, and in, and uh, in Estonia, there are many uh, cyber exercises that are dedicated to to 
to protection of uh, critical infrastructure, infrastructure. So they get so much more of, a, of experience uh, from, uh, from non-crisis situation that when the crisis actually hits, they are much, uh, much better prepared for doing whatever uh, they need to do. Now, now the question of, uh, uh, always is, uh, where's the catch? And, uh, and uh, how do the companies, uh, the CEOs, actually allow them to do something, whether there is any sort of monetary benefits involved and so on and so on? So maybe this is just uh, the uh, just something about the sort of uh, enthusiasm of uh, starting with something uh, interesting, but so far what we've uh, what we've experienced is that actually companies are pretty fine uh, with it as long as they they understand that uh, uh, the employee that they sort of get back from this organization. We are not we are not uh, sending those people to camps or something, but but they do it like over, over the weekend and so on. The employee who trains and exercises uh, with, with this uh, uh, cyber defense league is actually much uh, much better employee that, than the one that uh, that uh, did not attend uh, th th those meetings. Uh, his skill sets are, are are better, his knowledge is better, and very importantly, his network of uh, uh, network of uh, skilled people both within Estonia as well as outside, is much better and much more relevant uh, to, their, uh, to, their, to their job uh, in, in the companies too. So uh, we really see this, at least so far, as, uh, as a win-win-win game where, uh, where uh, the, the employee is happy because he is challenged, he, he can do interesting things. The employer is happy because uh, he's getting... Uh, uh, much more skilled uh, uh, workforce back, uh, and and uh, and more happy, I would say, and uh, country is happy because uh, because we feel much more safer uh, because uh, these people uh, get the training and uh, and experience. Now, and and now one sort of overarching uh, overarching. Uh, Conclusion that we took from the lessons learned uh, from the attack students seven and uh, and uh, tra from drafting the uh, cybersecurity strategy. It's it's no news, of course, but uh, but uh, we found that uh, despite our uh, despite our small size and despite uh, the fact that it's sometimes a problem, it's actually uh, there's, there are situations where where uh, small really is beautiful, and small really is effective. And and uh, what uh, uh, being small has uh, helped us to, to create is the sort of environment of trust, uh, and uh, the uh, environment where free will to do something interesting and important is uh, can be rewarded, and and uh, and uh, the sort of the if, uh, the magnitude of cool things that uh, volunteers can do is, re is really big. So uh, free will of people and uh, the trust that has been built over, over the years is uh, quite an invaluable commodity. Now, uh, now I'm uh, slightly sort of <coughs> uh, transferring to the more international context. Uh, and, and the first thing that uh, I would uh, like to uh, note here is that um, when 
when people go to different conferences talking about uh, cyber, when, when we see people, uh, talking heads uh, in television and so on, uh, quite often there is a tendency of, uh, of, at least in our opinion, to over mystify cyber. Oh, cyber is so very different that it, 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 it's different from whatever we've seen before. In many ways, this is true. But we, we would argue that uh, it's mostly true uh, when it comes to the, how we do things in the cyberspace, because you, 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 you cannot drive a t tank in the cyberspace. So you, you, you have to do something, uh, some, something very different. So the operational part is different. But uh, what we uh, also want, want to argue is that the, uh, when it comes to the sort of legal, legal uh, point, uh, part or, or the, uh, the principles, as we, as we heard uh, uh, through different, uh, different presentations uh, today, actually there are examples that can be used for uh, understanding and regulating things happening in, in, in the cyberspace. They may not be perfect, and uh, the, there, there might be need for uh, for uh, uh, additions to that, but they certainly are there. So, uh, so we, you know, rather than inventing reinventing a wheel, we don't have to do that, and we can uh, we can uh, d uh, deal with uh, some some uh, smaller things. Now, th this takes me to the. Uh, solely to the international context. Now, one thing that uh, we heard, particularly after the, uh, particularly after the uh, attacks in 2007, was that, you know, maybe Estonia simply embraced too soon too many of those uh, internet-based uh, solutions and technologies. Maybe it's actually their own fault that they were attacked, and maybe they shouldn't, uh, shouldn't have rushed to do, to, do, to do this. This statement pretty much implies us to refrain from doing new things and, and rather stick to waiting, waiting in the lines in the banks, uh, using cash, doing things like that. And, and whereas it might have been true that uh, to, until a certain point, uh, there was a tendency that uh, that, people, uh, that uh, uh, both companies as well as uh, governments uh, rushed, rushed ahead with uh, some new new initiatives, new new things, without thinking uh, of uh, of security as much as uh, necessary. I don't think that that's the case anymore, and I would argue that those countries where where the uh, government or the private sector or the general public has not uh, endorsed and embraced the new technologies uh, as, as much as people in the States do or uh, as much as people in Estonia do. Those countries are getting uh, more, relatively more and more vulnerable uh, with, and uh, becoming more and more danger not just to themselves but also to the international community. There is no when, when people are not used to doing things online, they don't worry about it. When they, they don't worry about it, then this is not, not, not also a problem for uh, politicians and for system operators, because no, no one worries. At the same time, 
every modern country depends on a uh, multitude of, uh, multitude of uh, government uh, uh, information systems, uh, databases, SCADA systems. Uh, you people know better uh, those names and uh, systems. And, and uh, if, if uh, uh, neither the uh, private companies nor the government pay, uh, pay enough attention, <coughs> sorry, pay in enough attention to that, uh, these are the weak spots. Where, where actually uh, both these countries are, uh, can be attacked and also our direct and indirect interests in those countries can, can be attacked. Now, uh, some, some words about NATO. I don't think uh, anyone else except for uh, Bob Butler uh, has mentioned NATO t today, but, uh, but I, I would still want to. Firstly, uh, Mr. Butler men mentioned uh, the uh, development of uh, new NATO uh, cyber, uh, cyber, cyber policy, cyber uh, security, cyber defense policy. Yep. Our views on that are slightly different than, uh, than the American views are. Uh, uh, what, what basically we do disagree, uh, disagree uh, on is that uh, uh, America quite uncharacteristically, I would say. In, th in this case, uh, uh, is taking a very sort of uh, uh, cautious and slow uh, approach. Whereas we would like to see uh, uh, NATO uh, being much more forthcoming. Uh, Bo mentioned uh, uh, the, the need to sort of uh, protect uh, NATO, protect or protect better uh, NATO's own networks. For us, this is like the, hello, do we need a policy for stating that we actually protect our networks? Or, or uh, do we, basically, do we need to uh, draft some paper to say that, okay, we're going to lock our doors when we, when we leave, uh, uh, leave our home? What we think is that we have to at least discuss in NATO what to do uh, or where does the NATO's authority end when it comes to the national networks, which are not only military networks, but also the private networks, which may not have direct impact to NATO's military ability to uh, operate uh, when something bad happens, but which may, may have very indirect uh, effect. As I, as I said before, uh, in case of uh, uh, at least some uh, modes of uh, cyber attacks, the psychological effect is the most serious one. And, uh, and we don't, we understand we don't want to end up in a situation where NATO gets drawn into something just because uh, some member states have let their uh, uh, guard down uh, with regards to their own uh, civilian networks don't have enough, uh, uh, high enough uh, uh, standards uh, for protecting them. And when I inside this country is a public demand so, uh, suddenly for doing something because, uh, because the uh, uh, power, uh, power plant was taken down or uh, most popular, uh, most popular uh, Facebook kind of site was taken down or, or something like that. And the country just doesn't have the ability to actually detect 
and analyze what happened, uh, who was behind that, and how, uh, how serious this is. So we, we do want to, to pay attention also to this kind of things. We are not saying that, that, uh, that NATO should go and uh, uh, protect the uh, Facebook kind of site in Estonia. No, no, no. We, we don't have uh, re interest, money, anything on that. But we have to dis uh, discuss it, and we have to make sure that maybe, maybe European Union, for example, can, can, through its regulation, which EU does anyway, can guarantee that actually some of the uh, hard security interests interest of the, of the uh, EU and NATO member countries get served. We're not talking about the technical standards. We're not talking someone uh, from uh, uh, Brussels uh, saying uh, how many megabits uh, a uh, certain uh, router has to uh, rush through, but we're talking about sort of political standards. Uh, what, what we have to maintain, uh, what kind of information sharing uh, agreements we should have in place, what kind of detection uh, uh, capability we have to have in place, something like that. Now, very briefly, I'm, I'm uh, sort of running out of time, uh, and uh, the more I'm running out of time, the more I'm uh, running the risk of uh, missing my plane. But, uh, uh, but uh, the issue of attribution and, uh, and the issue of uh, uh, Article 5 in, in NATO context uh, are, are the ones that, uh, that often uh, we get the questions on, on, our, on our views. Firstly, when it comes to attribution, then I don't think there is anyone uh, uh, who, who says that, uh, that uh, let's say, in the future, in 20 years, uh, we will be able to uh, uh, attribute, uh, attribute uh, something that happens uh, in, in cyberspace with 100% certainty. Probably not. Maybe some, some, someone uh, knows better than me, but, but uh, that, that's the case. Pro probably uh, the direct... Uh, direct tools to uh, to actually attribute uh, certain things uh, happening in the cyberspace will get better. Both the technical side of it, uh, many, many say attribution is purely technical technical thing. But I also think that uh, I also think that the uh, human factor is uh, uh, important. We we have our uh, ears and eyes uh, around the world, so we can uh, get data from that. But also what's, what becomes more and more important is the ability and willingness of countries to, uh, country, countries to cooperate when it comes to uh, finding out who used their ter territory, who used uh, the uh, infrastructure on their territory for doing things. And if countries don't, uh, don't comply with uh, or don't, don't assist other countries, which they should do as responsible citizens of the international community, then the, the we can draw some parallels with uh, what happened in, why we are in Afghanistan. When a certain member of the international community is not able to uh, and not willing to, uh, willing to uh, uh, assist other members uh, with, with quite clear evidence presented and everything like that, then uh, we can talk about the uh, complicity uh, through, through inaction or, or, or so, so on and so on. Now, now the Article 5 thing, uh, some people say that it's a legal thing. The, the, the lawyers have to come together and decide uh, whether, whether Article 5 uh, can uh, be extended to uh, cyber attacks at all. And when cyber attacks occur, then the lawyers have to decide whether in this particular case 
uh, they can be, uh, it can be used. I would say lawyers, and I, I appreciate there are many, many of them in this room, lawyers can easily be kept far away from this decision because this is, this is very much a politic, political decision just as is, uh, has been application of Article 5 been all along, well before any cyber, uh, cyber uh, assets were, were, were created. And, and uh, just to complete, complete this thing and, uh, uh, and to strengthen my point on Article 5, uh, just imagine how many of you uh, would have uh, re re replied me on uh, September 10th, two, uh, 2001, if I had asked you whether something that, is, uh, uh, that uh, gets done uh, by using civilian airplanes with un unidentified non-state actor can be considered uh, as invoking Article 5, I would, I would say that uh, many of you, uh, most of you, and me, uh, me too, would have uh, replied uh, by saying that, no, that that's not the kind of armed attack uh, according to the Washington Treaty. On uh, September 12th, Article 5 was uh, invoked uh, because of uh, what, what happened in 9-11. Uh, uh, in so it is very much a politi political decision when, uh, when we uh, put together the, uh, when we are not focusing on means but are, are focusing on uh, results of the attack and the intention of the perpetrators of the attack, then uh, we, we get a mix where, where actually Article 5 can be considered uh, also in the cyber context. Thank you. I think that uh, yeah, this, this attack in Estonia, uh, if, if they were not state-supported, they at least were state-tolerated. Uh, but uh, but uh, I think the, the better we are able to communicate our stance on different uh, cyber-related hot issues like, like whether, whether uh, Article 5 can be considered, uh, the better we are, the more there are examples where actually the attribution has been possible. Uh, and the, the more uh, doing things like that is simply not a uh, decent thing to do uh, uh, for the international community. The, uh, then the closer we are to situations where, where uh, uh, the nation states also not only refrain from, from that kind of uh, action, 
at least not for fun, uh, 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 but, but also uh, uh, will stop third parties from uh, acting from their territory. That, that's what I think. Maybe at least for for uh, decent countries, the risk of being uh, labeled as supporting something that may uh, maybe classified as terrorism or just uh, uh, not, uh, nasty, nasty habits uh, should be a, a deterrent in itself. Again, it's 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 uh, innocent uh, until until not proven guilty, right? Uh, but I, I will just uh, stop uh, stop by bringing one one uh, example. We, uh, we Estonia and Russia, like like most of the uh, countries. Uh, have uh, have uh, the mutual uh, agreement on uh, legal assistance. You know, when when some criminal uh, uh, does something uh, in Russia, Estonian criminal does something in Russia, uh, gets back to Estonia, we're gonna hand hand them over and uh, help Russians to investigate it. Now, uh, uh, with this uh, uh, cyber attacks, uh, Estonian State Prosecutor's Office uh, uh, put together a file and ask for uh, uh, concrete help uh, in identifying uh, uh, people, <coughs> sorry, people behind uh, uh, concrete uh, IP addresses and also behind uh, certain uh, usernames in uh, some web forums. Uh, the response was flat no. That was it, without any further explanations and uh, in violation of the agreement that we have. So, so I, I was talking about the issue of uh, complying with the international uh, community and, uh, and actually assisting uh, each other also. I guess uh, now I'm going to run. I'm going to run to the your plan. Yes, we want to get you to your plan. Thank you so much for that talk. Uh, thanks, thanks. Thank you very much. It really was very useful and interesting. Thank you very much. So um, we've come to the end of a, um, a long day that seems to move very quickly. Um, my mind feels expanded to the point of near explosion. Um, I want to again thank um, Tegan, Jasmine, and Jacqueline for their extraordinary organizational work our wonderful speakers, um, Jeffrey Hunker, for helping uh, conceptualize and put together the program. And uh, thank you all for staying with us. And if you're watching this online, again, if there, if there are parts that you missed, uh, it will eventually all appear on video uh, on the website, cybersecuritycommunity.org, where, again, we have a blog to which we invite your participation. Again, if you're uh, interested in the journal, 
is-journal.org uh, is where you can find information about the publication, uh, past issues, uh, past symposia, all our intellectual content and how uh, you can become connected with us. So thank you all so very, very much.